0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. And not only is there danger that this trade of ours falls into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. We're going to lose it all. This is the center, the center for the world of this Artemis, for Diana, for this religion. And if it collapses, we're going to lose our livelihood, our businesses, our making God's we're being attacked at the very core, at the very center of our religion. I remember when the Baptist gathered in Salt Lake City. It is the capital of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. And at the very center of the city is Temple Square and I've been there multiple times. The great statues, the gardens, the architecture, the holy temple with the angel Moroni with his trumpet blazing. The museums, the tabernacle choir, the the art, the carvings, powerful, rich, the very core of the LDS church. And here, what do the Baptist preachers do? They canvass, they witness, they're witnessing at Temple Square. They're going through the neighborhoods. Mormons are getting saved. I've witnessed many times at Temple Square. The elders, the missionaries, they're tough. They're trained, you know. But we try to bring them the true Jesus of the Bible and not the fake Jesus of the Book of Mormon. The Jesus who died on the cross and paid for all of our sins And we need not a temple to get to heaven. We need not human works and all the good things of the Mormon church will not save you. And they were rocked at their very core. Just here, the same thing at Ephesus. And they, business is is not booming. And they're very scared, what are we gonna do? You can't shout Jesus down. You see, the idolaters, the God makers, they think if we scream, if we yell, if we get emotional, if we repeat it. You know, if you hold your face till you're blue, it's not going to make it come true. Just because you scream it and you yell it and you believe it and you keep saying it over and over as a mantra does not make it so. Verse 28. When they heard this and were filled with rage, they began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This is their mantra. It is a phrase, a sentence that you repeat again and again. They screamed it for two hours. It's a mass emotional mantra. Verse 29 The city was filled with the confusion and they rushed with one accord into the theater dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia they couldn't grab Paul so they grab other christian leaders grab the missionaries attack the pastors hey you're a christian it's your fault Verse 30, and when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. Also some of the Asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. It's not safe. You're the great apostle. If they know you're there, they're going to surely kill you. We've got to keep you safe. No, we can't let you go in. 32. So then some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. It's chaos, it's anarchy, it's a riot, it's gossip, it's stories. They don't even know what's going on. These people, they're out of control. 33. Some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander. Since the Jews had put him forward and having motion with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly, a leader of the Jews, Judaism. And they're thinking it's the Jews' fault, right? Because Judaism, like Christianity, is monotheistic. The Jews only believe in the one true God, the creator. And he's not a statue. He's not an idol. The Jews gave us the Ten Commandments. And remember the commandments, not to have other gods before me, not to make graven images that you worship and you pray to. And so these God makers are blaming the Jews. It must be, you know, the Jews, they're attacking our idols. Like the Christians, they don't believe in idols to worship and bow and give offering to. 34. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis! Of the Ephesians, great is Artemis. And they're drowning you out. They're shouting you down. They're going to try to drown out the God of heaven, but you could scream it as loud as you want, but it doesn't make it so. Well, I don't believe in God. There's no God. There's no God. You could scream it till your face is blue. But the truth is the truth. And there's evidence and there's proof of the true God. The heavens declare the glory of God. What was the movie? Expelled the leading scientists of the world in all their disciplines have discovered the creator in intelligent design. And they're trying to fire them and silence them and stop their works from being printed as they declare truly there is a God we've discovered him in the telescope and in the microscope through intelligent design his fingerprints are there I think one of the most powerful proofs of Christianity is the holy lands you know when I got off that plane and I walked through the land of Israel I was walking through the pages of the Bible. The people, the places, the things, they're all there for you to see. I walked on the walls of Jerusalem. I crawled through Hezekiah's tunnel. I saw the marker that uh, Pontius Pilate Used to dedicate the arena with his name on it. I got baptized in the Jordan River. I swam in the Sea of Galilee. I went to the home of Peter, you know, Golgotha. I mean, it's there. It's real, real people, real places. The ancient cities, I have a, a minor in archaeology and I w- went to the tells and the digs and the pottery and the coins and the artifacts and the bone boxes. And, I mean, it's endless. The people of the Bible are real and historical. Now, I got to tell you a dirty secret. The Mormon Church doesn't have that. And the Book of Mormon that talks about peoples and places and things here in the Americas, where's the proof? Can you show me a coin? Just one piece of pottery? Just one inscription? Did these people ever exist? Did Jesus really come to America? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? It doesn't exist. Just because you say you believe in something doesn't make it so. I think of the great book evidence that demands a verdict. You got to read it. Josh McDowell, a great brain. He wanted to disprove the Bible and Christianity and be done with it. So he went, he searched, he went, he followed the paths of the apostles, the steps of Jesus, the places, the people, the things, the history, the artifacts. And when he tried to disprove the Bible, he turned his book around and he made it a book that proves the Bible. <laughs> he became a Christian because of the evidence that demands a verdict. Verse 35. After quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Man of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and the image which fell down from heaven. We know who we are. We take care of this temple. We worship the great Artemis known as Diana to the Romans. Surely no one is in dispute, I mean The great statue that fell from heaven. Some think or believe the rumor like some meteorite fell from space. And this was the great statue of Artemis. When I went to the Temple Mount, to the dome of the rock, that golden mosque, it has underneath it a gigantic stone almost as big as our chapel. And you see the Muslims praying their prayer rug and doing their their stuff around the great stone. It's very holy to them. I think it's considered the oldest Muslim mosque in existence, third most holy site to Islam. I wanted to see it, but it's just a stone. They believe that Muhammad did a spiritual ascension from the stone and his spirit went to heaven. But I got one better. Jesus did a physical ascension. In his risen body, the only human to pull this one off, risen from the dead, he ascended from a mountaintop, he ascended to heaven, and his followers saw him. They ate with him. They touched his physical body that rose from the tomb. And he's coming back in the same way. Verse 36, so since these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash. 37, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. What harm have they done? They haven't robbed, you know, the goddess's temple and took in her silver and gold. They they haven't come against her and blasphemed her. It's true, but Christianity is a threat to the world. Christianity is a threat to all the religions and all the false gods. All the statues and idols that are not real. They have ears, but they can't hear you. They have mouths, but you cannot, they can't speak. And you could pray to them and put your offering before them, but they will not answer. They don't have the power. And Christianity will unmask all the false gods of this world. Can I tell you, Jesus is coming back. And in his second coming, all the world religions will be done away with. And there will only be one God standing, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will sit on his glorious throne here on earth. All the nations, all the people will worship him, and the false gods will be done away with. So Christianity is a threat to business as usual. So then, if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, the courts are in session and pro are available. Let them bring charges against one another. You know, we're a land of law and order. You know, we're civilized people. We're, we're not going to have anarchy. We're not going to have riots. We're not going to have mob rule. We have judges. We have counsel, lawyers. You men know to take care of this the right way. You need to calm down and go through the courts. 39. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. For indeed, we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events since there is no real cause for it. And in this connection, we will be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. 41. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. It's a mantra. An expression they say over and over again greatest diana artemis of the ephesians the moonies the unification church uses this they being a cult they kind of brainwash their members with deprivation lack of sleep and a lot of sugar and the diet and the programming and stuff very sophisticated and Sometimes you look in the moonies and their eyes are very glassy and it's like they're not all there. And when I've witnessed to moonies, they tune out and they do a mantra, a thing that they either say with their lips or in their head. And it's a a phrase they say over and over and over. And it's their way to block you out so they won't hear about Jesus. They won't hear the truth. It's a wall of mantras. It is the church versus vices. Christianity is at war. Christianity is a threat to businesses. We do want to empty the casinos, the bars, the brothels, the strip clubs, the bookstores, the cults, the false religions. We want to fill the churches that believe in Jesus and the Bible. And Christianity is bad for businesses of vices, businesses that promote sin. Work together for Christ. Join the church. Work with God's people. Chapter 20, verse 1. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia exhorting lifting up encouraging I believe the purpose of our church is to exhort to build you up are you down are you discouraged can I pray for you can I help can I give you a word how can I encourage you the world wants to pull you down the church wants to pull you up Satan wants to pull you to the pit Jesus wants to lift you to heaven. We should encourage one another, give love and grace and mercy. Verse 2, when he had gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation to exhort, to lift up, he came to Greece. Verse 3, and there he spent three months and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. There's always a trap, always a trick. When you stand for Christ, when you're a leader, when you're promoting a ministry, uh, giving the gospel, Satan sets a trap for you to mess you up, to, to get you, to destroy you. Do you see they're going after our great apostle and missionary? Sometimes you got to hit the road, <laughs> get out of town. But do you see God is sending the setting, the agenda, the Holy spirits like, You're going to go here. Here's the timing. Go to this city. Go to these people. Keep moving. And verse four, we have the list of Paul's friends and companions, the various people that are helping him in ministry. You're not alone. Don't try to do ministry by yourself. Join the team. Join the ministry. Join the church and work together. May the churches of Jesus work together in promoting Christ. Verse 5. But these had gone on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. Verse 6. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to the Metroas within five days. And there we stayed seven days, continuing God's work. What is the point of this book? To get employed by Jesus. To change your career and the purpose of your life. Can I tell you, people that have been a part of this church, their career changes? I won't give you their names, but I'll tell you their career changes. We had a stripper who got saved, and she became one of our greatest greeters. You sit by me. You come to my house. I'm going to help you. Oh, I'm so glad. Let me tell you about Jesus. One of the most powerful ministers was an ex-stripper my old pastor, who was a drug dealer, and now he pastors one of the biggest churches in America. Uh, From bar singer to music minister, so gifted. Uh, From bank robber to church treasurer. From cocktail waitress to children's worker. And the list goes on from four fishermen to the apostles of Jesus Christ. Two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John. And when Jesus came into their life, came into their town, came into their boat, if you will, they left the fish behind and they became fishers of men. Boy, Jesus was bad for the fishing business. Jesus came into my life, and from banker to pastor. And I realized that eternal human souls were way more valuable than temporary bank accounts full of money. You see, when you become a Christian, priorities change the way that you think. You know, maybe to you... You know, that big catch of fish would be your dream. But didn't they walk away from that miracle to follow Jesus? The fish were not so important anymore. Oh, but if I get this position and I make all this money and I'm going to be this workaholic and this is going to be my whole life, and then you become a Christian and you realize there's eternity. There's the kingdom of God. There's eternal souls how am I spending and investing my life and my days? Work for Jesus. Leave your old life behind. Commit to following Jesus every day. Place your faith in Jesus and his work in the cross, the empty tomb. Have you come to Christ? Do you know who he is? The Son of God. Come from heaven. Lived a sinless life. Taught us love and grace and peace. He turned the world upside down. He shut down businesses in order to raise up apostles. He destroyed the works of the devil to build the kingdom of God. Do you know him? Have you confessed him as your savior and Lord? Make Jesus your boss, quit working for the devil and work for the kingdom of God and serve the son of man because Jesus is bad for business. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we make you our savior, our Lord, our God, and our boss. We want to work for you. We want our life to count and to matter. We want to bring souls to heaven. We want to build the kingdom of God, of light and righteousness. Jesus, may we make a difference. Set us free from our old employers. Set us free from the devil and his vices. May we serve you. May we love you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567. And our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.